I'm like, this is a full circle moment for me. I started reading about Gordon Parks right up the block, started making images. And like, here I am 10 years later at the Gordon Parks Foundation Gala as a recipient of, of the of the fellowship. And I'm like, it's just incredible. It's like, of course I got something to say. Cause like, this is like, this is a life lived. You know what I mean? Like tell your story. Episode 84 with photographer and artist, Andre D. Wagner. Welcome to the Institute of Black Imagination. I'm your host, Dario Calmis, an artist, writer, brand consultant, and generally curious fellow. And each week we bring you a conversation from the pool of black genius to inspire, engage, and help you unleash your own imagination. Our guest today is none other than the visionary photographer, Andre D. Wagner. With a lens that tells stories in a way that words cannot, Andre has made a significant mark in the world of photography. He has been commissioned by The New Yorker, The New York Times, Esquire, W Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, Time, Vogue. Well, you get the picture. No pun intended. Okay, maybe it was intended. In addition to his editorial work, he was also the creative force behind the promotional imagery for the film Queen and Slim in 2019. Hailing from the Midwest, Omaha, Nebraska, to be exact, Andre always thought basketball would be his destiny, his ticket out of town. However, once confronted with his own limitations, Andre was determined to not be caught underprepared again. His journey from basketball dreams in Nebraska to the streets of New York is a testament to the power of being fearless in your desire to learn and grow. Andre's transition from athlete to social worker to a passionate photographer is a story of embracing curiosity and change. Throughout his photographic career, he has remained committed to the photographic process itself, developing his own black and white negatives and making silver gelatin prints in his personal darkroom. His first monograph, Here for the Ride, was published by Creative Future in 2017, and he's currently editing a 10-year body of work titled New City, New Blues. And in 2022, he was awarded the Gordon Park Fellowship, named after the legendary and incredible photographer himself, Mr. Gordon Parks. Be sure to share some of your thoughts on today's episode with us over on Twitter and Instagram at Black Imagination. And this and more content is also over on IBI Digital at blackimagination.com. And if you love what we're up to over here, give us a little double tap on the support link down in the show notes. Now, get ready to open the aperture of your mind with photographer and my dear brother, not literally, Andre D. Wagner. Okay, boom, here we go. Brother, Mr. Photographer, artist Andre D. Wagner, welcome to the Institute of Black Imagination. Such a pleasure to have you here, man. Man, thank you for having me. It's great to see you in this beautiful light. It's it's really good to to share this space with you. Absolutely, man. can't wait to talk about the journey to where we are right now. Um, but to start, who would you like to dedicate today's conversation to? 
I'm gonna dedicate it to my parents. Mm. What are the names? My mom, Donna Wagner, my dad, Tim Wagner. I'm gonna dedicate this to them. All right, Donna and Tim, this one is for you. Uh, so we are here, fall of 2023, October to be exact. Um, what's exciting you right now? Mm. The change of seasons, man. I always like just get excited with the leaves changing, the the, the weather changing, even though I feel like I get grumpier <laughs> as the years just go on. <laughs> But uh, it just always just, it, it feels like a shift, like, you know, in the world and like in yourself. And so I think that is real representative of like maybe just where I'm at right now in my life, you know. So I'm, I'm just kind of excited about this shift that's just going on. I think that's what's exciting me. A lot of, I don't know, things are just kind of like in the air and kind of open, <laughs> and, you know. So like that also, that, I don't know, that's exciting. Oh, what's what's that shift that you feel from what to what internally for yourself? That's what I'm trying to figure. You know when a shift is happening, you can't even put your finger on it. You're like something's shifting, but I don't know what it is. Like, <laughs> but I think um, <clears throat> you know it's been interesting, kind of just like trying to find a flow in the studio again right now after the show opened, and so like that. This has been like kind of like a new experience for me. I'm like, why am I already having like exhibition blues and my show is still up? <laughs> so, and yeah, I don't know. Just trying to find a new rhythm. Just thinking about, yeah, new work, old work, the archive, what what's just happening in my life. You know, it's just interesting. It all feels just kind of different and exciting. You bring something up very interesting. You talk about a new show, a new show at the Gordon Parks Foundation. And our brother here that we're speaking to is a Gordon Parks fellow. Congratulations, 2022. You. So, you know, even to bring this name into the conversation, like at this moment, um, and one, you know, a name that you've been in conversation with and also studying um, for such a long time. Tell us a little bit about this show and what it meant for you at this point in your career, specifically where the show was held as well? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, man, it's like a big full circle moment for me to have like my first kind of like major exhibition at the Gordon Parks Foundation, I think. So like when I moved to New York in 2011, um, you know, I was, it's interesting, like, I I was, like, just dabbling with photography, and it, it was all kind of coming to life as, like, I was, like, finding my way in this new city and this, like, new situation and everything. And uh, I was photographing for a poetry collective at the time called The Strivers Row. And one of the guys who ran the, the collective he was always just giving me a lot of encouragement with my photography. And he, he was just like, man, like your work really reminds me like, like you could be on like a Gordon Parks kind of path or something like that. And, you know, I've heard, I had heard the, his name, but like I didn't really know his work that much yet. You know, um, I didn't really know photography on the kind of level that, like that I know it now. I was a, I was a student, I, I studied social work. You know, I was in grad school to get my MSW. Um, 
you know, I, I didn't really know much about photography and art and all of that. And so when he, he brought up Gordon Parks and he gave me he gave me a, a library copy of Voices in the Mirror that I think he he said he stole it like years ago. <laughs> so like I'm talking about a beat up copy. I'm like, I ain't no telling how many people have read this book. <laughs> like, and so he gave me Voices in the Mirror. And at the time I was I was in graduate school housing. So I was living on 58th Street in Manhattan between six and seven, like two blocks away from Central Park. You know, only a few blocks away from Fordham, where I was going to school, um, broke as ever. You know what I mean? Like I'm brokeity broke, and like, you know, I had like a, a three-legged coffee table that I like picked up off the street. You can actually find like, some nice street furniture in Midtown, like so. I was, I, you know, I had collected a few pieces. Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had a few pieces, you know, along with the air mattress. But I think so. I started reading that book, and it just was like I couldn't put it down. The words were just coming off the pages. I think being from Omaha, Nebraska, Gordon Parks being from Kansas City, it just instantly felt like like I was just like oh like some a black man that's like from around the way, you know what I mean? And then it was just like reading the story like you know, how he used to play professional basketball and, like, be this athlete and how he, like, went to Chicago, was in Minnesota, you know, on these crazy train rides and landed in New York and and just reading about his, like, trajectory, his path, like, where he came from, where he was going, the obstacles that he was facing in the midst of all of that. It just all felt so vivid and felt so real. And I think that's exactly what I needed at that time in my life to convince me that like this is a viable way of living of pursuing a life you know what i mean of because like i was i was in school you know but i was like falling in love with photography and i was just trying to figure out like what's going on and so like reading gordon reading voices in the mirror and just reading about his story just gave me so much to like bounce off of and, and hold on to i think especially in a time it's very different than it is right now. Like nobody was talking about black photographers. I mean, Gordon Parks was probably the only name that would come up in Google back then when you talk about black photographers. Like you couldn't even hardly find nothing about Roy DeCarava. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's interesting because I'm like, damn, things have really changed in, 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 a, in a way. And, and I guess in some of the visibility of just like black photographers. But yeah, I think especially then it was so important for me to just like be able to kind of see myself in a, in a way in, in, in the path that he chose, you know? Mm. So to like, it was incredible, man, to be reading that book in 2011, 2012, whenever it was, and then to find myself at Cipriani on 42nd Street at the Gordon Parks Gala, standing on that stage, speaking, almost like 10 year loop, you know what I mean? In the, in, in Manhattan, it, 10 blocks away from where I was reading that book. I was like, and it was crazy because I remember going to the gala. They didn't tell us we were gonna, that the fellas were gonna speak at the gala. I got a text message like when I'm in an Uber on the way there and the director's like, oh, by the way, like you guys gotta, you, you're gonna have a chance to speak. And I'm like, what? I, Bro, my heart is pounding right now. 
Um, you know, because I had always seen pictures of the gala and stuff like that. And I'm like, dang, it definitely seems like this who's who and all of this. And I'm just like, dang, I got to get up on that stage and speak. And, you know, I got a, I was backstage and I was talking to Devin Allen. I think Bisa Butler was back there. And my heart's racing. And like, I think just us kind of like chatting kind of helped the nerves or whatever. I didn't know what the fuck I was going to say when I got up there. You know what I mean? And then I get up there and I, I just like, I took a deep breath because I just really wanted to take it in. And like everything just started to flow. And I was just remember, and it was really, I, you know, I just kind of sunk into what was real. I'm like, this is a full circle moment for me. I started reading about Gordon Parks right up the block started making images and like here I am 10 years later at the Gordon Parks Foundation Gala as a recipient of, of the of the fellowship and I'm like it's just incredible it's like of course I got something to say because like this is like this is a life lived you know what I mean like tell your story yeah man I mean that is full of so much I mean you know we talk about like that 10,000 hours right which kind of equi- you know equates to around 10 years but you know it's interesting because I think I don't think people know, like, we, like, have known each other for a very long time. Um, and it's very interesting because as you as you begin to tell the story, right, like, so for, for listeners, like, I've known this brother since, like, actually the very beginning. I remember you were, our friend Donnie was like, yo, I have this friend. <laughs> Is that who, how we met? Bro. Donnie? He's like, wow. He's like, I have, what's Donnie's last name? Oh, it'll come to me. I don't, okay, I'm, well, I'm think about it because right I feel now. like we should name him we, yes, fully at some point. But Donnie was like, "Yo, I have this friend who's you know interested in like photography. He's like shooting some stuff. Like, would you mind meeting with him?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So <laughs> I met you. It was the S- Starbucks on 38th and 9th in Midtown, upstairs, and you're showing me these photos. And I think it was like an event or something that you had shot. Like, I don't know. And it was digital. And I'm like looking at these and I'm like, bro, I didn't tell you this, but I was like, hmm. But I remember saying, I was like, I think you should. I was like, have you shot film before? Mm. I was like, I think you should shoot film because it really forces you to like be really deliberate, like in the images that you, you know, because you only have like an, a limited amount, right? And I'm fresh out of grad school. I just started shooting film probably like a year before I met you. Um, and so, and so for me from the outside, this is what I've witnessed over this Crazy. last year. I, I remember from sitting upstairs in Starbucks in whatever year that was and just watching this entire thing fucking happen. And it's been phenomenal. Like it's been absolutely glorious. And for me, it's like, you can't tell me that like you can't become who you want to become. Like, you know, it starts with just starting. Um, and who knows how it ends up and how it manifests. But like, just just that one curiosity, right? Like there's so many things that were put in place, right? One, friendship. Somebody who saw you, right? A friend who saw you and said, oh, there's somebody, right? We have a connection. At the same time, there's this other brother who sees you, gives you a book, and there's this other connection, right? And then, you know, 
the 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 responsibility of like Gordon Parks living his life, not knowing that what forty years later, fifty years later, there was going to be a brother who was at like a fulcrum point in his life, right, in grad school studying social work, and the way he lived his life showed you that that life could be lived. And then you lived it in your own way. So, like, I, I just like looking That's at like crazy. these different yeah. threads and the ways in which people become, um, because it is a you know we move we move as a we move kind of like with an individual ego, but we really move as a they, you know. Um, and I've mentioned before, kind of like speaking about pronouns. I think like the most accurate pronoun any of us could really use re- really should be they them, because that's the most honest. Um, but you know, speaking about that moment when you're like in social work and this other thing is calling you, like, how do you make that, like, what is happening in your mind, right? Because I know many times people, you know, sometimes continue to go forward because they're like, oh, I've invested so much in this, even though this other thing is calling me. Like, how, what was that conversation like in your head in that moment? And I think that the thing I, remember the most is just like wanting to have the like autonomy over like how I'm living my life, how I'm spending my time and like what I'm doing and like how I'm giving, giving that time and that, and that energy. And that as much as I love like the practice of social work and I think, you know, the field of social work is so important. It's, it's undervalued, you know, it's really hard work. You're entering in and out of like a weave of all kind of people's lives and emotions and situations. There was something in me that like, I think that like being an athlete before that and like really like wanting to be a professional athlete and like, you know, being an athlete my whole life up until that moment, really, um, I think as an athlete, there's so much freedom or at least it feels like there's a lot of control in 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 that destiny because it's like you kind of get out what you put in like yes there's like inherent talent there's inherent things that like for the sport like do you, are you tall enough are you this enough or whatever but like after that it's it's kind of it's 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 this very self-motivated way of of going you know and i think I was just like really missing that component somehow. And I think um, something about just like the, I don't know. I think once I found about the, got into the arts and got into serious photography and stuff, I think there there was just like a lot of freedom in that. And there was a lot of like, you know, control in in at least the, where am I putting my energy? How much am I working? I don't have to wait around for nobody. I can go and pick up this book right now, or I can pick up my camera right now, or I can go and make these prints right now. I don't have to wait around for nobody. You know what I mean? And for a young person that has like a lot of energy and it has a lot of ambition, I think I just needed that freedom to be able to like, just go and do and like be absorbed in all of it, you know? And I think, um, the other thing is, like, I didn't have a great time, like, at Fordham University, you know? Like, I had some really, I had a tough start. I mean, a lot of, things, a lot of people have a tough start in New York because it's just a hard city. And especially if you don't really come from much, it's, it's just, like, New York was not on my radar at all. The only thing I knew about New York is that my dad watched Law & Order. 
I didn't know about the art scene. I didn't know about old New York parties. I didn't know about just like scenes in general. I didn't understand the thing that happens in New York. You know what I mean? So here I'll come into the city just really like clueless <laughs> in a way, but there's a lot of beauty in that. And I think, um, you know, I remember like being, you know, I'm in student housing. So it's like, School's already mad expensive, you know. I'm. I remember, just like those first few weeks, just waiting and waiting on my student loan check, and I, I'm talking about I'm broke. I moved to the city with sixty dollars, like literally. So I'm like, I need this 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 check, you know what I mean? And so I remember just like weeks and weeks going by. If, and they're like, and they're just like giving me the runaround, talking about, oh, it's in the mail. I ain't got it. I'm in and out of the, I'm like, where's my, this is my loan money that I'm paying insurance and, or, or, or not insurance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what's, what, what's it? Um, interest. What's the, interest. Thank you. I'm paying interest. Like, give me my money now. Like, this is ridiculous. It got so bad to the point that like, Bro, I shit you not. Like, I was so dead broke. And I was like, I'm in the school. I I was invited here because, like, I had to be qualified to get in here. And, like, you guys are making it incredibly difficult for me to even, like, just get through my days, let alone focus on my work and do what I need to do to do, be in this program. Like, support me. Like, what's going on? So I remember... I just got to my last draw and I was like, okay, I'm going up to the Bronx, to the main campus, to the freaking office. Cause like somebody's writing me a check today and right now. So I remember, I remember hopping on um, the shuttle bus cause it has a shuttle that goes from Lincoln Center up to the Bronx. I had never even been to the Bronx campus. And I, I'm talking about, bro, I am dead broke. I hop on the shuttle bus, get up to the Bronx, I go into the admissions office. I tell them who I am, why I'm here. I'm like, I need my, I need my refund check. They sit me down. They start giving me the runaround, and I, I go off. I, I'm like, I'm a student. I've been here for a month. I'm still waiting for my refund check. I'm, I'm over here hopping trains. I'm doing this. I ain't got money to eat. I got an IOU at the dollar slice spot. Like, I need my refund check. And I, I'm going off, snot coming out of my nose. I'm crying. I'm just like, I'm livid. You know what I mean? And they all, all these people come out. They call me down. They put me, and they wrote me a check. They wrote me a check. And I remember, I remember leaving just like all these crazy emotions. And I remember, like, I couldn't even, I had to like hop on the subway because there wasn't like a shuttle bus or whatever. I just remember, I just like those early experiences in New York. You know, I'm starting school, and it's, it's around the holiday seasons. I, everything just felt larger than life. Like the Christmas trees were like bigger than buildings. The the cars and the mink coats and just the rich people. And I, I just felt like I'm in this fucking movie. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, where do I get to take control of like what's going on with me? Like you know what I mean? And I think. All of that, you know, like those early experiences of like of New York being broke and just like the, the school stuff. The, and I think I just got to a point where I was just like, you know what? Like, if I'm going to be here, 
and, and try to build a life. I want to do it on my own terms. And so I just started to make a plan to be like, you know what? I'm a, I want to, I'm falling in love with photography. I'm starting to go to galleries. I'm learning, I'm reading about Gordon Parks. I'm buying books. I'm not even going to class no more. You know what I mean? I'm just basically using this, this, uh, this student, this apartment, you know what I mean? To, to be an art student, <laughs> like a, a self-taught art student, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, I was like, fuck Fordham, you know what I mean? And I'm about to go and do my own thing. And like, that was really like some of the early things and like convictions and just like experiences that were leading me to be like, yo, if I'm gonna be here and I'm gonna do this, like, like let's just do it then, but do what I wanna do, you know? Yeah, I don't know man. if that makes sense, but like that I just, makes it, absolute sense. And it's it's crazy that Donnie, you know, was the one that that introduced us because like even him, like you know, he went on to finish the program and and everything, and we're still friends to this day. And I don't even think he really. I think he's seen something in me. You know what I mean? I mean, we're two black brothers in this program, but like I I didn't really understand like even why like. We were in each other's lives and this and that. And like, he was always so supportive. And like, I'm like, who is this brother from the South? You know, I'm just like, but country, he felt country like Ken. Ass Donnie. He felt like Ken. And like, um, I just really appreciate it to appreciate of, of just his energy and just like his love for me and just my path. Even though, even if he didn't really understand what I was doing, he was still trying to support me and be there for me in, in ways that, I don't know. It was just really beautiful, you know. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's is Gardner. Interesting. Is that his last name, Gardner? I think Gardner. it's Gardner. Tony. I think so. I think so. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, something that I'm feeling a lot right now is, you know, you we read these stories and histories of, you know, folk like in the Harlem Renaissance and like the Great Migration and the ways and like people like helped out, right? Helped each other out, and in many ways, like New York even contemporary New York is still made of those same people, right? That, you know, you moved here, Donnie moves here, right? Brother from up South, you know, or down South, um, you know, just sees you, right? Or wants to help, just whatever. And like, you know, the importance of community in, and relationships, like, you know, in our own evolution. But, but what happened when you picked up the camera and got, to work and let me be clear when i say you got to work you got to work like brother you was like getting up early pounding the pavement walking 15 miles like shoot going for it like madman like well but what I did you feel in that I, moment well i felt i felt just like a desire to know to be close to see to push myself beyond anything I've done. You know, I think when I was in undergrad and, you know, I really wanted to be a basketball player. And I remember after my fourth year of undergrad, I wasn't eligible to graduate, right? And I was trying to figure out, do I go back to school and get my degree or do I just try to go overseas and try to like piece this athletic thing together? And my coach got me into um a tryout for the Iowa Energy which at the time was the D-League team for the Chicago Bulls and the Phoenix Sun and it's like a three-day tryout or something like that and I get the first day of the tryout 
And like 30 minutes in, I I mean, we just doing drills and sh- and I'm like, yo, these cats is on a whole different level. I'm like, <laughs> brothers is jumping out of the gym. Cats is crazy strong, fast. Everything's just moving faster. But it, I felt like I could get there. The thing was, I felt like no, I, I didn't know. I was devastated because like I didn't realize that like, I always felt like I could raise my game to the next level, but like I was playing a D3 basketball. It was just like, bro, you know what I mean? It's like, there's levels to this shit, but it's like, I think I just was so naive in a way. You know what I mean? I was young and naive and like instantly in that day one of the tryouts, I knew I wasn't making it. I felt like I wasn't good enough at the time. I felt like I could get a lot better, but I'm just like, is that the gamble I'm really, the, the risk I'm willing to take right now? You know what I mean? And I decided to go back to school and get my degree in fifth year. And just that experience of feeling like there's like all this potential that wasn't tapped into that like, you know, you always like, I don't know, as, a, as an athlete, you, you play games and stuff and you always have like, um, this alumni come in or whatever and they tell you to enjoy these moments and leave it all out there and you think you're doing it, you know? And I realized like maybe I wasn't doing it fully, you know? It, I, I had real reckoning was just like with like my potential, my athletic career, who I thought I was, who I, what I thought I was doing. And it, it was just so profound. It was so profound because like, I never saw it ending. And then I and then here I am, fifth year star basketball player back on campus. And, you know, I'm so embarrassed that I get an apartment off campus, you know, and I'm I'm doing my I'm finishing my social work stuff and I got two jobs. I'm working in juvenile court, I'm working at, you know, Faith Hope and Charity, which is working with kids with, you know, mental and uh, disabilities. So I, I got two jobs, I'm back in school, I'm doing the social work thing. And um you know, I think coming to New York, I really thought I was going to be a social worker, but I was already like dabbling with the camera and stuff. And so once I found real photography, I found Gordon Parks, I started going to these galleries and stuff. You know, I think what I come, what I came back to in that moment was just like those early, that experience of, uh, at the tryout of just not feeling like, I just knowing that I had more, but it wasn't, lining up in the right moment. And so I was like, yo, if I'm gonna do photography, I almost wanted to do like the opposite of what I did with basketball. I was like, I'm, let, take me to the end. Who are the greatest photographers? Who's telling the greatest stories? Who's having the most impact? Where are the archives? What are the archives made of? How are they organized? Who's taking, I'm let, put me at the other end first and, and then I'll like kind of work my way back. So I know like what the fuck I'm getting into and I, I don't want to be naive. And so I think when you go back to like saying just like, like, it was crazy. Like I'm talking about, I'm out on the streets, sun up to sundown. I'm in the dark room. I'm trying to learn how to process. I'm trying to learn how to print. I'm meeting people. I mean, I'm still in this, you know what I mean? I'm just like, if I'm going to drop out of school, be broke and do all of this, 
and this is like what I feel like is I'm being led to do. Like I'm not gonna have an ounce in this being that I'm not tapping into. You know what I mean? And like that's the only way that I knew how to do it, especially because like I'm in a new landscape. I don't really have like support and I just got to figure this shit out. But like, I'm also like photography, like bit me. I'm talking about these pictures from Gordon Parks, like these stories that he's telling. I'm, I'm reading Red about Red Jackson. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm reading about the Harlem story, you know? And then I'm also finding out about like street photography and all like, I'm talking about this, I felt these works and these stories like bodily. I'm like, this photography is so powerful. And so I think it was a mix of just like all of those things, like a real interest and like a real calling. And then like also a, like a incredible like fear of just like failure, not so much in the terms of the outside world, but failing like in, in an internal sense of like, am I tapping into like all I have? Am I what is God's gift? Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't play. <laughs> and so there's a, there's a French philosopher, Roland Barthes, who writes about photography and he calls it a clock for seeing. Um, and so, you know, as you look through your lens out in the streets, like, what are you clocking? Like, what are you seeing? What, what are you marking? That's a great question. I mean, I think it's, it's anything and everything. And I think, you know, you got to think, I'm, I'm from, I was born in Omaha, Nebraska. I went to college in Iowa. And then I land in New York. So on a surface level, everything I'm seeing is like crazy. <laughs> You know what I mean? As simple as somebody hailing a cab. That's wild to me. Like, you know what I mean? I've never seen this. As simple like these early visions of like being in New York in the holiday season, like, you know, the Christmas trees that are taller than life. Like, this is like a real life Grinch Christmas. Like, this is crazy. Like, Omaha, the Christmas trees are this tall. You know what I mean? Like, in Omaha, people that are rich seem, that seems attainable. In New York, people that are rich, it's like, okay, like, that's like, this is long money. Like, this is generational. Like, this is different. Like, you know what I mean? So on a surface level, just like everything I'm seeing is blowing my mind. You know what I mean? And then like on a personal level, on an interpersonal level, on an intellectual level, it's just like, I, I think I also, it's just like, it's just express. I learned that I had a lot to say. You know, I felt like I had, in a way, I've always been really artistic, you know, but like being an athlete, that just always outshined any artistic qualities that I have or interests that people might have had in like what I was doing. And so I also just kind of realized that like, by growing up in Omaha, you know, by going to college in Iowa, like growing up in the black community, playing on black basketball teams, traveling, you know, and then being in Iowa, an all-white community, being the only black person on a basketball team, traveling with that team, being in social work, you know, just like, I don't know, growing up as a preacher's kid, like, I just realized that, like, 
I had all this experience, but I never really dealt with expressing it or like speaking about it or or anything. So then I think it, I also just realized like I had a lot of stuff to like bounce off of and like who I am and like what's just happening out in the world and like also and then like how like my perception of these things, you know, because it's like you're saying, what am I clocking? As a photographer, when I look through that lens and what, what am I seeing, you know, whether it's a portrait or it's a street photograph or whatever, it's all perception. Like, it's it's got to get funneled through this. And that's also jumbled with everything that you are in that moment, you know? And so there's a lot to it, you know? And I think I think that, that early clocking is just like, just curiosity, knowing, practice, because I'm an athlete, so all I do is, I, it's like if you practice is 90% of it, you know? Um, yeah. Like, how do you choose a subject? Like, as you're out there on the street, what is that invisible, wordless conversation? I mean, it's all, it's all fair game. It's, because again, it's all new. So it's all fair game. Everything is a subject to me. Every, and I, I think it's, I, and I, that's when I really learned to just like kind of appreciate where I came from. And um, and like, I don't know, I, I, in a way that naivete, um, that ignorance can also kind of be beautiful, you know? And so it's just like, all right, like I, I, I Kind of, you know, even like I'm, well, I was probably like what twenty three, twenty four when I moved to New York. I felt like a baby though. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's a fresh new start, and so like I think as a photographer, when it comes to seeing, when it comes to making images, like when something's new, it's exciting because there's endless, boundless opportunities. So like everything about New York was like new, exciting, and I, as a baby, it's like. Everything is making impressions. And so I'm, I'm a photographic baby. Everything has an impression on me. You know what I mean? And I think that's a beautiful way to be as a photographer because instead of coming in as like, I know, I know what this light's going to be. I know what this expression's going to be. I know how I want you to do this or do that. It's almost like let the world inform it and this this other thing, this unconscious thing informed, and like that keeps like bringing me to new places, unknown territories, new possibilities. So instead of going out into there being like, oh, I know everything, I'm like, I don't know shit. I don't know nothing. Only thing I know is this camera and these settings, like, but everything else, you know, and I think, especially like as a street photographer, but making photographs any kind of way, I think, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to keep shifting and molding and like, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I want to absorb and I want to make, I, I don't want to just like, I, I feel like as soon as you think you know too much, you stop seeing, you know what I mean? I, re- I think I remember the early quote of Henry Cartier-Bresson and he's a photographer. I mean, this photographer, he traveled nonstop, but he said something about like, you know, people, that knows like it was ah, I'm like forgetting the quote, but it's 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 something of the sentiment of like 
when you think you know your neighbors, you almost kind of stop like the interest. But then like, but when it, but when you're when it's new, you have all these questions and you see. And so it's almost just taking that sensibility, like not acting like I know too much of anything, because like that's there might be something special around the corner. even And you thought you knew what that corner was going to be. But if you kind of come into it open, the possibilities stay open. And I think you know, for making photographs as, as obsessively as I was, it was all about like everything being fair game. Like there is no hierarchy, you know what I mean? And I think, I don't know, there's, there's something beautiful in that to me. And like, I mean, you mean New York Times, W Magazine, like, you know, the publication list goes on and on from like an editorial perspective. So, you know, so in some of like these even like commission works, like what is your process? I mean, I think I've learned to just bring myself, like to be as authentic Andre Wagner as I can be, you know? I think um, that's when I feel most alive. That's when I feel like I can truly connect with people. That's when I feel like I make real connections, you know? I think early on, man, I really struggled with kind of showing up as my authentic self because it's like, and you don't even see it because you're just, you're in such a survival mode, you know? It's like when you got to pay bills and get supplies and do whatever, sometimes you can be so deep in that that you don't even, it's almost like a person that has like an alcohol problem. Like everybody smells it on you. You're the only person that don't realize it. You know what I mean? I think if you're in like a deep survival mode, you don't even realize you're not making, it's like, are you going to hire me right now or not? Because if not, I don't got time for this shit. You know what I mean? Instead of being like, well, what are you into? What kind of stories do you guys like to tell? Well, yeah, it's a whole different way of communicating, of being. And the latter, you know, is a more productive, is a, is a, is a more genuine way of operating in the world. Like, let's, let alone career publication it's just like how do you want to be in the world how do you want to be with our fellow humans you know what i mean but like bro i was just such in survival mode early on that it was really hard for me to show up as myself and i think that made it even harder for me without even seeing it you know and i don't know i don't know what happened that made me kind of like shake out of that a little bit but like that's one of the things when when i talk to young photographers uh, you know it's Hard as it can be, because survival mode is real. It's real. When your lights is getting cut off, when you ain't got money for rent, when you got an IOU over here and you don't want to walk down this block because Muslim they might see you, like that's a real life experience, you know? So it's it's sensitive, but I, I think if you can just like break it up a little bit, you know what I mean, and not be so bogged down in it, but it's hard in a city like New York. Because the whole the city's just you bogged down with energy. So then you also gonna be bogged down with whatever you personally dealing with, you know? But something kind of shifted and um I feel like when it comes to the commission work or and working with like editors and stuff like that, once I was able to kind of like break out of the like the survival mode, everything just got better. I was able to show up for the work better, the the, the connections with people got better, people started calling you back. Cause it's just like, you know what I mean? It's just like 
that was a big one for me, man. Like the survival mode was not serving me at all. I mean, it was in a way, cause it's like, I, I it may, I, in a way, it, that's what helped me live a very simple life in the beginning, which made, which allowed me to create 99, 90% of the day. It's like, you know what I mean? Like shit, like we out here making this work, you know? Cause like all this other shit is just getting in the way. So in a way it, it can be beautiful too. You know, it creates this tenacity. I'm talking about out on the streets from sun up to sun down. I, I went on a regular day, 10 rolls by noon. You know what I mean? Like we out here working, like I, everything has a possibility. You see possibilities in the, the way somebody look over to the side or the way somebody grabs her hand or the way somebody struck. Like every, it just like everything just becomes so like, mm. You know, and in a city where everything is, it's just like, so I don't know. It's like a double-edged sword and how it kind of happened. You know what I mean? Because then on the flip side, once you're not in survival mode and this, now you got everybody calling this and that. Next thing you know, you're not on the streets as much. You can't be, <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> pick your poison. <laughs> yeah, I I, I want to kind of- I'm talking I'm, a lot. I'm talking oh, too you're much. Good. Bro, what are you talking about? This is an interview. <laughs> Oh, come on. Um, but like kind of thinking about this idea of like failure uh, and even rejection and the role that it plays and has played in your development, you know, so much of this story even began with this kind of kind of perceived failure and like not showing up for yourself, you know, in basketball. Um, but then also, you know, as you're outside, you know, shooting, shooting, shooting. I know you said previously that you don't shoot people who don't want to be shot, right? Um, and so there's also this constant rejection that you're working with all of the time. What role has like failure outside of the the motivation part that you mentioned from basketball, but this like constant relationship to rejection that you're dealing with every day, how is that shaping your life and career and, you know, even your point of view? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, that's a great question. I think in a way it it gives you a lot of like um, humility, you know, it gives you, it, it's, it gave me, I don't know, it's almost like it almost kind of like even the playing field in, in your way of seeing and living in a way, you know, because it's some, it's like, I would be the same. I remember I had one like kind of like office job when I'm in New York. And like, I remember like certain experiences where it's like, you know, they're working. It's like, I could be on the, on the elevator talking to the CEO. And then I'm in the bathroom talking to the custodian and the janitor. And then I'm leaving and I'm talking to the people at the front desk and then you're on the subway and you're talking to homeless people. It, I think like when you're met with like, or I don't know, this constant, like, I don't know, failure. I know a lot of people don't like this word, but like, I think it just makes you feel really human. It makes you see in a different kind of way. And like, I don't know, for me personally, I think it, it just, it, I mean, and it goes back to the social work and it just makes you see everybody and everything kind of like in a way, you know? And 
And there's that that I think is really beautiful for me going back to like that non hierarchy, you know what I mean, kind of thing. But um Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think I think it totally makes sense. This idea of this constant this constant humbling, right? Like that one, it evens the playing field of humanity, right? It like it flattens hierarchy in many ways, right? Because you could be you could be rejected by an editor, you could also be rejected by a sister on the street who's like, no, I'm good. You know? Um, but it also um, you know, in what ways do you feel like your career perhaps has played a role in your personal life and how does one even balance that right yeah yeah i mean it's played a huge role to be honest i mean i think especially you know you gotta do like i got 11 years of working on the streets of new york and that's like very consuming you know and I mean, I've had to, I made tons of sacrifices just to pursue what I've wanted to pursue, you know? So it's like, whether it's like, you know, not having like just kind of finances in a, in a certain type of way because you just want to be out making work, not going to parties, you know? I mean, there's unfortunately been like, Weddings I didn't go to because I couldn't afford a suit and I'm too embarrassed to still show up. You know what I mean? Um, there's been a lot of sacrifices to just like, I don't know. I think just with making the work and, and, and dealing with the, the cards that I felt like I was dealt or at least any and also like doing as much that I felt like that I could do at the time or where I felt like my energy needed to be, you know? I'm a very obsessive kind of person. And so I think that's why photography, just like especially for street photography, you gotta be obsessive because it's it's already, it's just hard to make a photograph with everything in order. And we're not even talking about emotional impact yet. You know what I mean? So it's a really hard way to make photographs. And so I think you have to be obsessive to like, to, I don't know to do it well, to maybe find a voice, to, to, to be able to like, really like, I don't know, do something with those images instead of them just being like pictures of whatever. And so I think, uh, I think, I've yeah, I don't know. I, I just keep thinking about sacrifice. Like I've made a lot of sacrifices just to make work, you know, and, but like, I don't, it doesn't, it, it does it. Like I, I, I was so, so happy to make these sacrifices. Cause like, I fucking love doing what I, what I'm doing, you know, like to be able to see the city the way I've seen it in the past 10 years to feel like I'm like, to be like a real witness, you know what I mean? Um, to have the privilege to, to do this kind of work, you know? Um, when you're on the streets making photographs, if you're, you know, everybody else is just living their life. They're going to work, they're going to school, they're doing this and doing that. And I feel like 
my job as a street photographer was to notice and to notice all the things that are just going by. You know what I mean? To notice the life that's just happening, to notice the beauty in that, to notice the 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 poetry in that, you know? To extract um just what is being missed in these moments, you know? And I think that's what the beauty of a photograph is. We could be standing on the same street at the same time, but the world is is 360 and we got audio and we got our body that's being, you know, influenced by everything. And we all have our own personal histories that's also part of that. And whatever is going on in our body. So it's like, we could be in the same place and we dealing with completely different things. But once you see this rectangle of us standing in the same spot, you're like, whoa, that's what you saw? That's what you felt? And you didn't blink an eye and your body didn't change? Like, that's powerful, you know what I mean? And, and then, like, that could be powerful for, to a photographer but let's talk about that to a person that's not a photographer. You know what I mean? A photographer is already kind of looking in a certain way, but let's talk about people that aren't photographers. Like, then you have an opportunity to reach even further depth of like your vision, of, of your perceptions, of what you're seeing kind of happening in the world. And so like, I talk, I, I talk about like the sacrifices I made to just be out in the world, to make images, to be a witness. But it's an incredible privilege and honor to be able to do that. You know what I mean? As much as I feel like I have a gift, there, there might be some type of gift or some type of talent, I just work incredibly hard because I also feel like as a street photographer, you're not really granted, as a black street photographer, you're not really granted the thought that I'm out here doing something just, you know what I mean? You're not granted that. Even though all you want to do is give back. And so there, there's just like, there's, there's conviction in it, you know? Um, because it's a real particular kind of way of making photographs, of seeing people, of entering people's spaces. People are just like, yo, I'm just trying to get my kid to the bus and here you come with your camera. Or I'm just on the phone taking this conversation and here you come with your... So I have to understand that I'm interrupting everything. I, I don't get the... You know, I don't, I don't, you know, people already think I'm up to something suspicious and then I'm interrupting everything too. So to have, to understand the sensibility of what it means to actually point your camera at somebody, to look people in their eyes, to be five feet away from them because I'm shooting with wide angle lenses. There's a lot at play. And so for me, I, it, it had to just feel like, this is part of why I'm here. There's something bigger going on. And I just want to try to honor that. And then, you know, hopefully we'll land in a place that then when that image is seen, when that body of work is seen, 
And then it's like, oh, then it's as clear as day that I'm not trying to ruin your day or I'm not trying to eavesdrop, you know, or I'm not trying to be nosy just for my own kind of thing that hopefully it's 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 a part of like a greater thing that's just going on. And, and I think that's what the beauty of art is, you know. But this particular art form just kind of happens and it's just like, whoa, you know, and it's just it's just kind of not normal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you're, you know, these past 10 years, 11 years, 12 years maybe now, I think, um, as you've been on the streets watching like the lives of others go by, you know, obsessively in that gaze and in that like focused attention, what parts of your life were going by and you didn't witness it? I mean, damn, we in therapy now. (laughs) But I mean, I don't know. In a way, it's like this. This is my life, or and it has been my life. This it like you know. It's like I'm connecting with all of this stuff out here in the world. Whether I'm connecting with my neighbors, I'm connecting with the youth. You know, I'm connecting with women, connecting with couples. I'm connecting with people on Sunday morning. I'm connecting with. God, who knows who to, what the, who and where they come from in Manhattan, you know what I mean? I'm connecting with all these different facets. And like, I think, um, I think that's all like extensions of me, you know what I mean? Or, there, or I also think it's maybe, it's parts, maybe it's also parts of me that I don't want to face and I can face it through other people or through a street photograph or, you know? And so, like, there's definitely, you know, that aspect of, like, just who I am, how how I can relate and operate in the world, you know, as much as I feel like I'm, like, from these beautiful communities, like, whether that's, like, you know, actual communities, whether that's basketball teams I've been on, captains, this and that. I mean, if I'm being honest, I guess I've always kind of felt like I've been on the outside of all of that. And now, and like seeing my, and now seeing my photographs 10, 11 years in the city, I'm realizing like that's an extension of like me growing up, always feeling like I'm on the outside of everything. I don't know, like, like growing up in Omaha and like, you know, my family isn't the kind of family that really just will come and express themselves and, just give it, you know what I mean? It's like, you, you gotta pry these folks. Like, you gotta pry and pry. And like, maybe that has to something to do with my own sensibilities that I, that's how I learned to be in the world. It's like, motherfuckers gotta pry me too, but maybe you, you get a lot more through these photographs probably than like me speaking. <laughs> and so I don't know. Um, that's a hard question to ask because it's just like a lot going on. You know what I mean? Like in the interpersonal, like inside of like my own being and my own personal history. And then I guess just like how I'm able to like go out and and make these photographs and make these connections and and hopefully be able to speak through photographs in in ways that I guess maybe I don't know how to, to be in 
in, in real life, or maybe that is real life, but in, in different situations. Well, I mean, you also had like a extremely, like, I wouldn't necessarily say high profile, but like, you're married, bro. Yep. <laughs> like, talk to us about this balance of like actual relationship of two highly functioning individuals. Yeah. I mean, the balance in that is kind of beautiful because when you got two people who are just ambitious, you kind of like understand each other's ambitions, you know what I mean? And kind of let each other get to work. So there's that aspect of it. But yeah, I'm, I'm also divorced too. And so, you know, there's a yin and yang. And so, you know, maybe all the searching on the street had to do with a lot of things that were going on in my own life, you know? Um, whether maybe, whether that's ways in which you feel seen or don't feel seen or feel like you can be yourself but can't be yourself. And as an artist, it's like, the job is to fucking be yourself, <laughs> to be authentic, to be 100% free. You know what I mean? And it's interesting, like, you can feel free on the streets with a camera, sometimes more than you can, like, at home, you know? And do you feel free now? I feel very free. <laughs> I feel very free now, you know? I mean, definitely. That's, it's, it's, what, I, it's what I need to survive. I need to be free. Mm-hmm. You know, relationships are so, such amazing, amazing gifts, you know, in life, right? You know, on whatever level, right? You know, romantic, you know, platonic, you know, quick, you know, a quick pass um, or, you know, something even more extended, you know, is it's in many ways an unspoken agreement of like two souls who have decided to change each other, right? To impress, like to actual impress, to leave an imprint on, right? To shift towards, you know, a version of oneself, whether out of like, I do not want to be this or I do want to be this or I want more of this or I want less of this. You know, through, you know, I'm a preacher's kid too. I don't think, I don't know if we talked about that. Um, you know, I'm a PK too. I'm also from the Midwest, you know, grew up in St. Louis. I went to school in Kansas City. So I'm assuming generally we have a same Midwestern concept of like love, relationship, and marriage. And so I know something like a divorce is not something also to be taken lightly. Um and so for you, like as you are out here becoming on the streets, shooting, going, pushing, you know, looking back on pre, right? I mean, you all knew each other from Buena Vista University to being on the other side, that particular part of your life, what was the growth? What were the lessons? 
what parts of yourself do you now know more about on the other side? How did that serve your becoming? Yeah. I mean, the growth, it was just like, what we had, what we had, it was beautiful. Like two black people in the city making names for themselves, doing their thing, like incredible. You know what I mean? I think, what what do I know now on the other side? Um, just trying to continue to be more honest with myself, like trying to be grounded in Dre, you know what I mean? And being able to be like, this works or this doesn't work and, and hold on to that in a very real way, you know? Um, I think that's what's on the other side, you know? As much as I wanted to kind of like move on, like still going through a divorce is not easy, you know? And like everything I was going through, feeling, experiencing was all new, you know what I mean? And it's interesting, like started going through, started the divorce process in 2021 and um, found it incredibly hard to photograph on the streets. Found it incredibly hard to photograph on the streets. And that was very new to me because I photographed on the streets for 10 years prior, happy, broke, sad, angry, ecstatic. I'm talking about the whole range of human emotions I felt. And I think it's great to make work going, th- like going through all of this. Like I'm not the photographer that's sitting around waiting for sunset to go make images. You know what I mean? I'm not like w- like waiting for the perfect light or the perfect subject. I'm kind. I'm the photographer that's just. I'm out there all the time. You know what I mean? Going like dealing with it all. You know, and I think that's what has helped me extract like a range of emotions through the images, you know what I mean? So to find myself in a space where I'm like, okay, even though I'm like sad or depressed and stuff, like now I can't go out and do that thing, but it was just like a whole different kind of energy that I think like shift that I had never really, that I hadn't felt before. And maybe I was in a space where I wasn't just up to deal with other people's energies. I didn't felt like, I didn't feel like I just, I don't know, had the thing that kind of, that you needed to to be out there in that kind of way. And then so, yeah, man, like that was, that was interesting. And then I just started, and I kind of shifted inwards and went back to my self-portraiture, which was like something that I did in the beginning of me picking up a camera. I've always photographed myself, always. Like I was probably my first subject that, um, even in college at Buena Vista, you get the camera and you go in the mirror and you go, boop, you know what I mean? Um, but like, even people that might know some of my early work, like back in the Tumblr days, I used to ha- I used to share, I had a 365 self-portrait project going on back then, you know, then I've been making self-portraits in all kinds of ways 
since and then like so yeah like you know be going through a divorce and then turning the camera back on myself because I just couldn't really go out there you know um so I guess it's 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 great to be able to to find your footing in, in expressing yourself by any means necessary and I've always felt like that like as a photographer I, that's kind of why I ended up on the streets in the first place like I was when I first started photography, I was interested in portraiture, people and faces. Like, I love faces, you know? And then, you know, early New York, I'm meeting all these artists and models and friends and photographing people. Then I just kind of got tired of linking up with people, trying to align, people not showing up. And I'm like, yo, I need to create right now. And I'm just like, as an artist, that's why I always like envy, like, you know, painters. Because I'm like, you can just go and paint whenever you feel like it. I'm like, I, I needed the subject. And so, like, the streets kind of like um, liberated me in that sense. Now I don't have to wait for nobody because I got too much energy to be waiting, you know? Um, but to still be able to like find ways to create, you know, as a photographer, if I don't have others, I, I could point the camera here, you know? And so that that's also just, I guess, been a thing on the other side. I was just like, oh, back into this. <laughs> I hope people listen to this and realize that essentially photographers are just complete control freaks. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Control freaks who are slightly voyeuristic, who are trying to like capture and work out their psychology through the things that they shoot. I can't remember who said it, but they said that like every photograph that a photographer takes is really a self-portrait. Um, it's true. You know, it's it's so funny because you mentioned that. And I remember my my early days, bro, I would be so upset when people were late. Like I had to send them home. Like I couldn't shoot them. Like that bro. shit, I, I would be like, that's I like, by the, I was like, bro, we agreed to like this time, especially when you started, you don't have a studio. You're out on the street. You're like waiting. I hate to wait. And I literally would just send people home. I'm like, I'm so sorry. We have to reschedule this. Like, I can't even mentally get there. Exactly. You know, because I'm tough. so... Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I feel that, bro. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, how am I going to call myself an artist? And like, I got to wait around for other people to make work to express myself? Like, oh, hell no. This is my art. Like, this is... I got to get this shit out. You know what I mean? So I'm like, you got to figure it out. And so it's just like, all right, let's turn that camera around and shit. Yeah, <laughs> let's get to so, work. <laughs> you so stupid. Goodbye. <laughs> so, you know, I want to kind of go back and then go forward. Like, I want to take it back. Just, just kind of like fundamentals, right? Like, I mean, you grew up in the church, bro. Your father's a minister, had no idea. What is your spiritual practice like? What is your spiritual practice, if there is one? I'm a, I'm a very spiritual person, you know what I mean? And I've always felt like that ever since before I could even, I even had the language to understand what it is that I'm feeling, you know? I've always felt the spirit guiding me in my life in certain situations, like to the point where it's freaky. And I'm like, all right, this is enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so, and I guess I say that in terms of just like being in the world, whether that's like, I, I, you know, feeling the spirit through other people, through the wind, being in a car, near death experiences, through music, 
you know, at night looking at the stars. And, you know, that's one of the things I realized that like, and I'm glad I've been able to like find my own path because I think what I, like growing up, I grew up in the church. I grew up in black Baptist church, Christian church, you know, and there's so much spirit in the church, but there's also just like so much doctrine and this and this and this and that and that, and you know, and like, um, and I think that's beautiful too. You know what I mean? The church has been a pillar for black folk. I mean, that's where we convene. That's where we come together and gather. That's where it, you know what I mean? Like that was like our meeting place, you know, maybe not so much now in this contemporary life we live in, but that's, it's birth so much. Jazz, art, like just everything, you know what I mean? Invention. So mad just respect to what we've cultivated, you know? But I realized that like, and this is like a big thing for me is that like, I just realized like my spirituality just wasn't linking up with people's Christianity or whatever. And I had to liberate myself from that. Cause I'm like, how are you gonna tell me about what I know to be true just because I'm not naming it the way that you're saying, say, or because I'm not at Bible study on Wednesday, or be, it's like, what? <laughs> when Jesus was here, was he at the mansions with the rich folks? Or when it did, he was with the, the people. Like, I, I just like, so I really had to liberate myself, man, and just being like, you know what? Like, this, this spirit, this guidance, this, this thing that I know to, to be real, that's, that's leading me, that's, that's showing me the way. I just had to just like accept it, you know what I mean? And it's not to boast and brag about it or to, it's just like to accept it. And like, when I can share it, I share it. When I can spread that love and, and give something, I do it. When I feel like I need to like pull back and be like, y'all good, I'll let you, and then I, that too. Cause like, I think, um, I just had to just like, I, I, it's so real that I'm just like, I'm not here to play with you or, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just got to do what I got to do. And so like, the spirit is is super real in my life. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, I don't necessarily go to church as much as like I used to, you know? But like, I feel more grounded and closer to God than I ever have been, you know? Um, I feel like I could be praying with the camera in my hand, you know what I mean? And I do, and I have, like, I could be having like a spiritual awakening when I'm at the gym doing a squat and I do, and I have, you know what I mean? And it's like, I could pray with my brother and sister, like on some mentorship, like it, it can look and shape and mold and all these different, this life, this world is so abundant. We can't even really make sense of the cosmos. So like, why does it have to be a certain way? And so once I've liberated just my, 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 my spiritual understanding and my practice into what feels right for me, 
it's just like it only continues to grow, you know, and I only continue to feel more connected to it. And I love that for myself. <laughs> and we love that for you, too. <laughs> You know, kind of thinking about, you know, this incredible place you grew up in, you know, in Homa, Omaha, Nebraska, you know, in this family, what, what's one of the biggest lessons your parents taught you? I mean, wow. And it could be just in the way that they moved through the world as well. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest lessons they taught me is to be prayed up. You know what I mean? Like, literally. I, they pray for me. My grandma prayed for me. I almost like that, that Kendrick song when he's talking about, like, isn't it a, a song, one of those Kendrick songs he talks about, like, ain't nobody praying for me or something like that? But it's just like, bro, prayer is so powerful. And I, as much, we, we're talking about, you know, spirituality and how I'm led by spirit, but like, it's also, I, it can be a collective thing too. It doesn't have to be the singular way of connecting. And like, what do you mean? Like, I, it's just like, I know for a fact that like, I feel my grandmother's prayers and I feel that guidance in my life and I feel my ancestors and I feel my folks. And I, I it's, it just, it's, it's, it's just something that I know that has been super important and just in my path, you know? And I think just understanding that kind of groundedness, like, has just, like, just kept me in some of, like, the darkest times, you know what I mean? And I think just being able to, like, learn that from my parents, um, just, like, I don't know, just the power of prayer, the power of like praying for other people, the power of asking for prayer, you know, that, um, yeah, man, that's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's powerful. And I, and I just, I've just really felt, I've, I've just felt that, you know, and I think, um, I'm really appreciative of my parents for just introducing that into my life. Yeah, it's such an incredible foundation from which you can create all types of, you know, derivatives, extensions from, but like just the recognition, you know, of spirit. So before we wind down, I want to get just a double tap a little bit on this process because there's so many people listening who not only love your work, um, but are also just, you know, burgeoning creatives or maybe even wanting to have a pivot. Um, yeah, and you mentioned... Uh, Henri Cartier-Bresson earlier, you know, who talks about like that decisive moment, right? Like that moment um, when you know to click the shutter. But, you know, you and I both know that that process starts before that shutter is clicked. And there's a process afterwards. Um, for those of you listening, Ansel Adams, who's an incredible um landscape photographer and really invented the zone system of, you know, from white to, to pure white all the way to pure black. He has a trio of books called uh, The Negative, The Camera, and The Print, um, which are 
incredible resources. If you are interested in photography, this is a master teaching you how to do it at every single stage. And we've so much been talking about the camera, right? Like that middle point. But it sounds like also as you speak, like street photography is also like a game of volume, right? It's a game of like just capturing like a data set. And, but then there's a moment where you decide that this is the pho- this is the photograph, right? This is the moment, and we didn't really talk about it as well here. But you do, you know, you do it all, right? Like you're developing your work, you're printing your work, um, you have your own darkroom, all of these things. So as you're going through, right, these tin rolls by noon, as you're looking at this context sheet, like what are you? looking for and how do you know out of this frame of 36 like this is yeah. this is it I mean you know sometimes the contact sheet is beautiful in that way because you know you know 10 rows by noon 90% of it 95 of it is just shit junk whatever it's just not working you know what I mean it's mostly failure you know it's a lot of stuff that's just like, oh, you're almost there. You, and, and, and. So, like, when you see it on the contact sheet, sometimes the images that work just jump off because everything else sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, whoa. Like, you know? And so, like, there's that element of it where it's like sometimes they literally jump off the page and, like, yes, pick me, you know? Um, and that's why I love contact sheets because it's nice to see images amongst other images, you know what I mean? Instead of just always just like the single image. Um, it's, it's hard to answer that question, like what I'm looking for. I guess like when I'm out in the world making images, cause I've kind of, I mean, yeah, there's, I feel like, I don't know, our brains are so like, we're a computer. It's like, sometimes you don't, do we even have a decision sometimes? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, but I think, you know, in the edit, in the selection, that's where it's like, hell yes, like I'm making decisions and I'm looking for certain things. And I think it just depends on the body of work, what I'm trying to say, the, the grouping or the selection I'm trying to figure out, you know, and what I have up at the Gordon Parks Foundation, which is a body of work I've been working on ever since I moved here. It's called New City Old Blues, you know what I mean? I'm trying to express what it's like to be in New York, to be in the Black communities, um, but also like what it looks like to be outside of that, to to navigate just um, outside of your communities and in different kinds of spaces, what it feels like to be in a Black body in a city, what it feels like to be in a neighborhood that is getting gentrified, to, to get displaced, what it feels like for a community garden that would feed everybody on the block to turn into like the biggest building in the neighborhood. I'm looking for these threads that like speaks to these notions or to these themes that I'm trying to put into my work, you know what I mean? And so there's that element. And then like, you know, pictures are interesting because like, sometimes like, yeah, there, there could be an image that just works incredibly as on its own, like it's just like, a single image, it just has everything going on. But then there's just something beautiful when you start to group images together, like, you know, and like, that's what I started to realize, like, by working over time, especially in my neighborhood. Okay, like, here we got 
you know, this community garden live and vibrant. And now we got it boarded up. And now we got people setting up shop outside the garden. And now we got construction workers in the garden. And now we got the new building that's went up. And then now when we put these 10 images together, it's just telling like a whole story. You know what I mean? And so images just like, you know, they, they start to strike different chords when you put them together and stuff like that. And so like, that's why I think it's just, it's really interesting to figure out how images work on a wall compared to in a book, uh, compared to on Instagram or on your website. And like, um, you know, trying to have like the context to, to like what it is that you're trying to say. And so it all kind of depends. And I think, you know, I don't know. We live in such a sensational world now that we feel like only sensational images do it. But I think a quiet photograph could be just as beautiful or powerful as one that's screaming, you know? And so I'm looking for like the whole range and the variety to, I don't know, to, to, to express and to show whatever it is I'm trying to, to do or say. Mm. You know, it seems it seems like we had such a a similar experience, you know, coming from the Midwest and then like just being bombarded with this crazy city um, that is New York. But then also, I think, and I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like it also allowed me a like a connection and a reconnection with my own my own black identity, right? That that I didn't grow up with in school, right? Like I had it in the home, but definitely like not in school. Like we were not, you know, I was an AP, you know, European history, right? We were not learning anything about, you know, Ghana or like the Akan or any of this shit. Um, but in that exploration for yourself, you know, this is called the Institute of Black Imagination. How would you define black imagination? That's a beautiful question. I mean, I would define black imagination as however the black person wants to imagine their life. Because like, it's really that diverse. It's like, it can look like and be whatever is true to your black experience. And like, that's what I've grown in, into understanding. It's like, here I am, this black street photographer. Man, people would question me for photographing in Manhattan. I would question myself. You could easily be spend 10 hours in Manhattan and not see a black person. So why are you here taking pictures? But this is part of my experience. I've lost, I lived five years in a state where I felt like I couldn't even, I was like my body, being in this black body was always in question. So like being in this white, I feel, I got a lot to say right here. Yeah, I can be here. And that, that black imagination is true to me. I don't, have, I don't need some editor to tell me to stay in Bed-Stuy. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to do what I need to do to express myself. So yes, I'm in Bed-Stuy, I'm in Bushwick, and I'm in Manhattan on your block. Because I got some shit to say here too. And so I think black imagination is literally whatever that black person feels like it can be. As long as it's true, that's what black imagination is. Like, I don't, like nobody has to tell me what it is because it's like you live it. I had to imagine all of this shit. You know what I mean? They didn't even want to tell us black photographers was here. You know, it's crazy. So it's like black imagination is powerful. It's real, it's alive, and it's happening all the time. 
Because that's what black people have to do to survive. That's what I've had to do. Amen. <laughs> Ooh, you want to take a breath? <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. I get worked up sometimes, man. <laughs> no, it's good, brother. I, we appreciate all of it. It's taking me back to Fordham. Like, give me my motherfucking check. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that is black imagination. Like, y'all gonna write me my check right now. Because I'm still paying these goddamn student loans. Like, let's be real. Up in y'all school. Like, it's crazy. Black imagination. Like. A refusal, right? A refusal of the status quo. Refusal of the rules. The working around of the jerry-rigging. The hacking of. The remixing of. But ultimately, right, the refusal of existing systems, right, even if that's the refusal of a gaze, right, you mentioned the idea of a black body, you're like, actually, no, I refuse that gaze, and I'll define it for myself, and for, you know, and for my people, right? Um, Brother... You really, you really, you you really came present today. Thank you. I'm, uh, bro. I'm, I mean, you know what? You know what? It's um. I think earlier you were asking me like, am I? Do I feel free or whatever? Like, mm. and it's like, you know, I think uh, I spent a lot of time kind of like making myself small. You know what I mean? And. Uh, it's crazy how that even kind of can happen amongst your own people, like some of your closest loved ones. And so to like get to a place where you just feel like you can be your true self, you know what I mean? It starts to open up all these new pathways. And it's like, it's just a beautiful thing. And I think, I'm just, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking about my throat chakra and like that's something that's really been opening up for me, you know, and it's just been a beautiful thing. And yeah, man, it's just, it's just great to be able to, to be honest. It's great to be able to share. It's great to be able to walk around with a camera and like this path has not been easy. And so I think it's beautiful what you're doing, getting this on wax, all kinds of walks of life and different ways of imagining, you know, being black and what a life could look like. And so um, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to like speak here and allowing me to express myself and, um, it feels good to be able to do so in such a manner, you know? Um, and I, I hope, like, whatever it is I had to give, like, maybe it could help somebody else. Because, like, that's, you know, as a brother that didn't come up in the art world that, you know, I don't know, kind of felt like missing out on all these other things. It's like there's so much you're searching for. And so I think I've always just have that in everything that I do and, and just how I try to be, you know, some type of generous, like whatever it is that I know or how honest I'm going to be or, you know, so thank you. Oh, my pleasure, bro. Um, 
Thank you. Thank you. Before I ask my last question, I actually want to acknowledge you, my brother. Uh, You know, one, it's interesting. There There are people who come into your lives, and I think this is one beautiful thing about being in New York is if you stay here long enough, you really get to see an arc of a life, hopefully multiple lives. And yours has been one that, you know, inadvertently there at the very beginning of it. And I've watched it and I've watched the way that the work has paid off. You know, it's a joy to be at the Gordon Parks Gala and see you there, you know, up on the stage, knowing the first time I saw you was at Starbucks on 38th and 9th, or 39th and 8th, something like that. And, um, you are right a, a real real proof positive that it's not about what you know not even like who you know it's really just about a desire and pursuing it despite whatever you see right despite not having the money or like you know the girl or the whatever right it is that like type of tenacity that over and over and over and over again the training of the eye right? The training of the mind. And like, bro, look at what's possible because of that decision you made to get the fuck up out of that school. You know, in many ways, in hindsight, it was just the excuse to get you here. Period. End. That you're still paying for. But like, (laughs) it's the excuse to get you here. The most expensive apartment. (laughs) It's so, and so for that, like, I have to just acknowledge you because it's it's here like it is here on wax right like that story um and it's just been a blessing and like a privilege to be able to witness it so thank you for sharing yourself your full self and your free self with us today on the institute of black imagination so this is my last question if you had everything at your behest what is the world you imagine for the future I had everything at my best. Behest. Like you uh, had behest. all the powers, right? You could do whatever you want to do. I mean, I feel like we spend a lot of time, I feel like a lot of people spend a lot of time worrying about basic needs, food, shelter, water. Like, there's got to be some type of cap on these motherfucking rents. There's, these the food, good food should not be as expensive as it is. I would just like, I would break it down so that people can just like, on a baseline, just be, just have have these needs kind of met on a healthy kind of level and scale. It doesn't. Like, I don't know. It's like we we live in such such greed and such, like, it's just like, yo, can't we all, like, like what, what if we all just could, like, live peacefully and, and eat well and drink clean water and just kind of, like, I think I would want to do something to, like, with that kind of system. You know what I mean? Because then how is that going to shift the way in we, which we live our lives? How is that going to shift in how we treat each other? I think that's the biggest thing. We talk about survival mode. What if people didn't have to be in survival mode? So I would think, you know, if I had the power, bro, that's what's happening. Like these basic needs are getting met. 
And it's just going to like loosen people up a little bit to kind of like be their true selves, actualize things that they that might just seem just so daunting because like you literally need to eat, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'll take it. I will take all of it. Uh, well, brother, this has been an amazing conversation. I didn't even realize how much I miss seeing your face like shit. I know, um, man. We gotta get up. <laughs> I know. I have to I have to I have to get you in for for another portrait session. Capture love capture that. you on this side. I would love that. <laughs> you look good, brother. You look good. Thank you. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling hey, good. It shows. Thank you all so much for tuning into this captivating and, dare I say, candid conversation with the incredible Andre D. Wagner. Let us know your thoughts over on Instagram and Twitter at Black Imagination. And be sure to check out this conversation and others over at BlackImagination.com and at the Institute of Black Imagination on YouTube. If you'd like the inside scoop on what we're cooking up over here, including upcoming guests, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. The link is down in the show notes. Andre stresses that photography has the potential to transcend mere images, serving as a window into the world's beauty and everyday poetry. Now it's our time to readjust our lens on the world. What beauty do you see? Stay curious and keep dreaming. <laughs>